This podcast is part of the No Phony Podcast Network, the home of independent awesomeness. Once again, it's time for the Idiots. Welcome back to another special bonus episode of The Idiots, a weekly defense of 1980s pop culture from a couple of idiots. My name's Will, and joining me as always is Ray. Hey, here we go. So, hey, usually we, in, in these special bonus episodes, every week we've been recapping another episode of 1985's Misfits of Science. And yep. normally we'd be up to, what, episode four? Episode four. We would, yeah, we would be on episode four right now. So, and we are but, right. Yeah. But, but we're ready to do that. But, yeah, but today is a very special day because joining us is a guest who made regular appearances on the show. And let's see if we can't get her on the line. Um, well, you know what? Hey, I'll tell you what. Well, I'll introduce her and that's how we'll let everybody know who she is. That's a great plan. Okay. Our very special guest today appeared in many of the TV shows we loved in our youth, including The Incredible Hulk, Voyagers, and Alf on V. She taught us about our own humanity as Harmony Moore, the human who dared to love Willie, the alien visitor played by future Freddy Krueger, Robert England. And, of course, she appeared on the show that has been in our hearts and on our TV screens for the last four weeks. On The Misfits of Science, our guest played Miss Nance, Billy and Elle's assistant who attempted to keep order while doling out sci-fi puns. Please welcome to the show, Diane Carey. Diane, thank you so very much for spending some time with us today. We're so excited to have you. You're so welcome. No problem. So, believe it or not, uh, this year is the 35th anniversary of Misfits of Science. It first aired in 1985, and here we are still uh, talking about it. Um, How does it feel to have fans like Ray and myself uh, still thinking back so fondly on uh, many of the productions in which you appeared yeah, it's it's a joy. It really is to have people remember these shows that were really fun and uh, a big part of my history uh, as an actress. So, uh, and recently, it's 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 become more popular. Misfits and V and all these shows from the '80s. So, it's it's delightful, really. Uh, you know, to have people remember and talk about it and want to know more about it. So, it's great. And for me. Misfits in particular, and Ray and I have talked about this over the few weeks recapping the show, it hits on so many of the of what we associate with the 80s, you know, what we remember, what we connect with the most about the 80s, the, the colors, the, the music, uh, the sense of adventure, the, you know, a little bit of campiness, you know? Right. I mean, it was, it was meant to be campier, oh. I think. We see it now as a camp. I think you can see it now. But then there were a lot of, there were some really great reviews. But I know some reviewers and and viewers kind of didn't get it. You know, they almost thought it was <laughs> it was for real, oh. um, which it totally wasn't. Um, yeah, so oh. it was it was kind of walking this fine line. Now you see it so clear, right? But um, yeah, yeah, it was That's- interesting and a fun cast. Really, really great people. Yeah, and of course, sadly, we lost the two stars yeah. uh, far too yeah. soon. Um, yeah, yeah, that was tragic. Well, yeah, Dean Dean Paul and uh, Kevin Peter Hall was really sad. Yeah, and both seem so talented in the show, so oh, much promise. Yes, 
Oh, and and Dean Paul was just a wonderful guy. Not not only a terrific actor, but just a wonderful person and lovely to work with. That, that's great to hear, since you know a lot of that comes out on the show uh, or comes through yeah. on the show. Those characters. Yeah, I don't think you can hide that. You know, the camera really sees who you are as a person. In addition to the character you're playing, you know, it's got to come through, especially if you're a good actor, they're going to see the person you are. Yeah. You know, the comment you made about Misfits reminds me of how folks received uh, the 1966 Batman show where they weren't sure what to make of it, you know, and it's only yeah. sort of years later yeah. where folks appreciated how smart it was. In, in, in That's sort of, right. You know, That's right. Yeah. You know, and having been young at the time, I think we just saw Misfits for, you know, the exciting adventure that it also was, among other things. So what's the role that most folks, you know, that uh, reach out to you, that recognize you, uh, recall? Uh, well, it's it's usually V, yeah. of course. Right. You know, because that's a, um, especially with the resurgence of movie. And then there was a, a, a series, I guess, done a couple of years ago. Right. It wasn't really a remake. It was a totally different creator and different approach to the same story, I guess. But um, yeah, that's the role that people, um, you know, bring up and remember. And, and uh, you know, Harmony, my character, I guess, resonated with a lot of people. Yes, yes. And I remember it resonating with me. And, you know, as a child, or I guess I was a child, probably 13 or 14 years old at the time it aired, in the 80s, Ray and I have talked about this many times on the show. As kids, we were scared of lots of things. You know, well, Ray wasn't because, you know, he's a he's a different character just generally than I am, but uh, <laughs> I'm more anxiety prone. And my mother made sure of it. Um, but, <laughs> you know, the threat of nuclear war loomed over every us for, you know, at least that decade, if not longer. Oh, Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and we weren't too, uh, I would say we weren't unafraid of, of the idea that aliens might visit us either. You know, in the media, it's certainly in a number of different productions and movies, they, they uh, teased that that was a possibility. So I remember seeing V and being terrified. And Harmony in particular, I think, I, I remember teaching me that, you know, much like Harmony's character, you know, what we learn about prejudice, really, um, that yeah. uh, what it's like not to be prejudiced, that you can take someone as their word, at their word that they're different than what other mm-hmm. people are saying about them. Yeah, I love that part of playing that role. You know, that was key in, in, in uh, keeping my interest and, in, uh, you know, the, the racial thing. The whole, yeah. the whole, all of V was really about race and racism. And right. it, there was so much sim- symbolism, you know, in that show and the writing, right. the characters. Um, uh, but yeah, it was a decade of, and that was kind of when I think Area, is it Area 50 was becoming sort of known in the desert. There's that area where they they claim there's this alien body <laughs> right. that the government has. And then there was a whole show. I was on Dark Skies. I think that was right. in the 90s, though. I was on that show, too, that, um, uh, you know, kind of dealt with that whole thing. But it was scary. I mean, it was even for adults. So yeah. being a child must have been terrifying. Uh, yeah, again, for me, for Ray, he's he's still braver than I am today. It's just business <laughs> as usual on my end. Surprising. Yeah. Uh, looking back, it seems like fi- fantasy and sci-fi shows have been a staple of TV as for as long as we've had TVs in our homes, you know, and mm-hmm. throughout the decades. I think it, it may have waned a little bit in the 1970s or so. Um, but the 80s, and this is mostly anecdotal, seemed to, you know, they seem to come back with a vengeance where there were so many TV shows uh-huh. and films yep. that, that fantasy, focused on fantasy. What is mm-hmm. it about, do you think, as a, as a having appeared in so many of them, is it about that we can connect with these realities that are 
so different than our own? Well, when you say that it resurged in the decade, in that decade, um, it's interesting that uh, they say that there's this whole uh, sort of the atmosphere of thought, like writers uh, pick up on this zone, especially because there's so many writers in Hollywood living close together, mm. that um, there's there's a sort of um, other level of thought and writing. And so the same kind of stories and themes and subjects kind of are floating around. Mm. I know this sounds a little woo-woo, no. but I know a lot of writers and it it was a decade where it was on everyone's mind and it just kind of it just kind of grew mm. and 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 multiplied, you know, and there were just all these shows and all these movies. And a lot of times a writer would be working on something for like two or three years, a, a feature, and it would come out and then three other features. And it's like, wait, did he steal my idea? Yes. No, no. The idea is in the air, you know, and I think it was in the air. It was a, it was a decade of, of people, as you said, becoming aware and, and, and wanting to know more, more about it. Um, it's kind of fascinating yeah. when I think back now, because it did kind of uh, wane a bit by the 90s, end of the 90s, for sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, I, I agree. and then it kind of resurged again, maybe just about eight years ago, seven, it started up again. And that's when people were rediscovering V and started contacting yeah. me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so it's interesting. Yeah. 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 I wonder what it says about, you know, so much of our art is a reaction or reflection or rejection mm-hmm. of what's going on in, in the real quote, real world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what, mm-hmm. yeah, what we were, what was going on, but yeah, I, I, I take your point. And yeah, it, it is curious because yeah, so many times we often, you know, it just as lay people who are not working in Hollywood, see two properties come out within close order and assume, you know, there was not necessarily plagiarism, but you know, one studio had yes. an idea and yes, no, it, it's so fascinating. It's yeah. this a phenomenon that's, you know, it's really interesting. Um, yeah. And, Oh, did he hear my pitch and did the yeah. network take my, <laughs> right. but no, the, you know, it just, it just, uh, it's in the air, as I said. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, um, and it's, it's sort of the same thing too, is there's only really five stories, you know, <laughs> right. there's only right. five I think there's five that you can identify right. as a writer. So even that, you know, right. you put the, the theme of having it in the air and in the thought process of the world and coming into Hollywood. And then there's only five stories. There's going to be duplicates and there's going to be repeats <laughs> and there's going to be. Yeah. So, yes. No original ideas, as they say. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> so in, in t- 2015, you re- reunited with uh, your V co-star Robert England on uh What's what's now known, I guess, is Transylvania Curse, right? I know the film went through it, had some different names. Um, yes, it did. <laughs> and I, I imagine that's part of the challenge of even, you know, of marketing and, and, and that sort of thing. But you also worked on the film as a producer, of course. Um, mm-hmm. had, you, yeah. had you remained friends for all those years since V? and. You know, we had a, a distant, I'd see him at events or, you know, at various uh, times, but not not close friends, no. Mm-hmm. But we enjoyed working together. And um, I had done that movie. I had done a play here. I do a lot of theater. And it was a new right. play done here at the Lillian Theater uh, a year before the movie came out. And um, all the reviewers said, this should be a movie. This should be a movie. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a play that had a lot of horror elements. Right. So I... I I took I the playwright gave me permission to hire. He wasn't a screenwriter, and I hired a screenwriter uh, and gave him the play, and he created this this horror yeah. movie. Yeah. And then I thought of Robert for the lead. I thought he was so perfect, and it would right. be fun to reunite us under the circumstances, et cetera. So that's how that all happened. Right. It's and then I raised the money to put the movie together, and it happened. Right. 
in such different roles, obviously being. Yeah. Again. Yeah, I think Robert. Yeah, Robert wanted to do something. You know, he'd been so caught up in the typecasting after. Freddie, of right. course, you know, he did a lot of that. And uh, I think he, he he loves the fact that he was playing the good guy and right. <laughs> sort of the sa- attempted to be the savior in the yes. movie. So I wonder how many people were suspicious, though, of his character, you know, the whole time. It's like, There's yeah, going to be some right. twist. He's got to be the bad guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. That was the, whole, the lore, right? Yeah. That was the lore that, of that, him in that role. Right. I wonder how many people watch V now that never saw it that think he's going to be the bad guy in that eventually. <laughs> well, he's, he's so young then too. I, you know, mm-hmm. we were all younger yeah. then. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> thirty-five years ago. So, so knowing that you've you look, you've worked in so many of the different entertainment uh, mediums, media, plural, I guess. Uh, having worked on stage, television, and film, do you have a preference? stage. Yeah. I I love the theater. I started out in the theater as a child and you know, I was 13, 12 or 13 when I started doing Shakespeare. I grew up in mm-hmm. um, Westchester, New York and I was fortunate enough to have a uh, a festival that uh supported teenagers and I got involved very young and uh, never stopped and I I've done stage whenever I can. Uh here in LA it's not as, you know, there isn't as much theater although the last 10 years it's burgeoned. I mean small theater here is just a uh, very lively and and wonderful so it's been it's been fun. I I do a play at least a at least a play every year or two. Wow. A show. Yeah. And what is it about the theater that uh, enjoy most? Well, yeah, I think it's the actor's medium. I mean, if you were to say, you know, sort of identify the 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 most creative and the most where you're the most in charge, it's yeah. definitely the stage. Uh, like they say, the television is the writer's medium, and film uh, is the director's medium. Mm-hmm. And, and stage is the actor's medium because you rehearse and of course you're guided by the by the play the play and the material and the director of course but once you open you know you're you're at the helm right. and you know you're 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 creating this character you know five or six nights a week uh, and and it changes every night the audience changes it's it's just there's this that live theater is this there's this life between the audience and the actors on stage that's just magical and exciting and um and just just having a whole through line and not you know film and tv you're doing bits here and there and lucky to do one big scene you know but to have that continuity and really be engrossed in a character i did a wonderful play just six months ago here um called bakersfield mist about um, a woman in a trailer park in Bakersfield who found a Jackson Pollock painting for $3 in a thrift store. <laughs> and it's a, it's a wonderful two character piece that what a joy that was to play. Um, just uh, so fun to dig in. And um, I'm an actor who I, I, my performance develops over the run of a play. Mm. Um, I mean, you can't really, unless you're, yeah, I, I guess if you are the lead in a TV series, which I've never been, I'm always sort of the second or third banana, but I suppose if you're a lead uh, like lucky Courtney Cox for misfits, <laughs> she just became, wow. Mm. Um, on, wow our sh- on our show, Courtney. we're pretending that she did anything after the eighties. <laughs> we keep saying, "Oh, we we see big things for her. Maybe why hasn't she been in more?" <laughs> but yes, we take, yeah. we take your point. Yeah, but no, when you're the lead, then you get to develop the character, and you're playing every sure. day, and you're you know, there's more of that. But stage is is sort of a parallel to that, I guess. You know, you get to really live with the character, and uh, 
as I said, it is the actor's medium, and that's why. And I, and I note, in, in addition to your training as an actor, that um, so everybody knows about the Groundlings and Second City and UCB now. You know, as these uh, yeah, you know, that's these, right. these great uh, training grounds for comedic mm-hmm. actors. But you were in the Groundlings yes. long before it was cool. What is yep. it about improv? It seems that there's a, a connection between improv comedy and becoming a serious actor. Well, it loosens you up. I think that the improv and the comedy, um, oh, oh, uh, serious drama and serious acting always benefits from a comedic mm-hmm. persona or a comedic touch or awareness. And, you know, it, it just brightens and it just enlivens your character no matter what, even if it's the deepest, darkest tragedy. To find a moment of levity or comedy is always like a jewel and i think if you train yourself with the comedy and the uh certainly improv you have a, you develop a sort of quickness a lightness and i think that's great great for all 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 work as an actor it's a great facility to develop and yeah. i had done you know quite a bit of comedy in college as well as the shakespeare and all that but so i was drawn to the groundlings just because it it you know again the training I started with someone, a guy, a man named Harvey Lembeck. Oh, Somebody had we just talked old, to Cindy Morgan about Harvey Lembeck. Yeah, he was incredible. What what a great teacher, and he was uh, oh, what a beautiful man, and and just a solid. Uh, he just appreciated each actor what they brought to the comedy, mm-hmm. and he he would focus in on you and just bring stuff out of you. He was incredible. But he, from his class, someone pulled me into the Groundlings workshop, and then I, I, I was there a couple of years and ended up in an improv group that then did Comedy Store and played around. And because I'm more of a character actress, comedy, you know, comes to me. Um, it's interesting that in the eighties, all those shows were pretty serious except for <laughs> Miss Nance. But yep. once I got involved in that world of sci-fi, it just kind of brought a lot of the same people who started using me, you know, started calling me. And, and so that's how that happened. But I, I, uh, I love comedy and, um, yeah, I still, still do a lot of it. Yeah. It seems, you know, to your point about the, um, not calling for comedy necessarily, except maybe misfits, except that, you know, even on misfits, you're playing it straight. And I, yeah. I, 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 was, <laughs> uh, I recall a scene you did on uh, Alf opposite Max, Wright, Another misfits, uh, alum. Um, That's right. We unfortunately, Max, he was wonderful. Teresa. Max. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But on Alf, you know, you had a very funny scene and playing it as straight as can be, you know, it could have been a, mm-hmm. a, a dramatic moment, but mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, well, as they say, comedy is very serious stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On Misfits, uh, one of my favorite parts about the show was when you would read Billy his message. <laughs> Did they have multiple choice for you for those? Because it's like your laundry's ready or um, somebody's calling because the, the lights are flickering and they think they have a ghost. It was just a weird combination of things that you always were giving him right i'm trying to remember i i they would give me you know lines for that but then we'd also talk it was very open on the set and uh i would offer sometimes and we'd do a couple of takes the days when they had more freedom with shooting now oh my god (laughs) it's so different but there was you know they did so many more takes back then um even even though it was tight and tv was still you know time is money Mm -hmm. but there you know there was an opportunity in those days where there was a little bit more levity you know room for and so yeah i think i would come up with stuff um and bring it in and they'd, they'd shoot a couple and pick whichever one came out you know the best but um that was it was great 
It was great. I love the dog, you know, the, the, the St. Bernard. <laughs> I'm a big dog lover. So that was, that was fun. You had the dog, you had the bunnies. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was through that, that character that we learned uh, you know, through those lines that we learned how big the world was supposed to be with regard to these misfit characters that were being, uh, you know, saved by this lab. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah. And thinking about improv comedy and maybe what you learned from mm-hmm. acting is I imagine you, you must get some kind of level of courage or fearlessness being able to go out on a stage with nothing except maybe an idea from the audience and a kind mm-hmm. of kind of courage that would translate to, to you know to to making you brave uh, on stage but i note that you were brave long before that because you know i think just making the jump from school to la i, I couldn't imagine doing that that seems terrifying to me <laughs> were you always just courageous in that regard well um i lo- i have such a passion for acting and i wasn't certain if i was going to go to new york or come to la and the choice was actually made my husband i got married right out of college to my husband my college sweetheart and he uh got into ucla as a writer in the writing program and so i thought okay well we'll move to la for two years and then we'll decide if we're going to stay there or go back to new york where i'm from and where i actually had always envisioned myself going Mm -hmm. to be on stage because i love the stage so much but we got here and i started to get a lot of work right away and it was you know late 70s and um uh you know i started to do commercial work and and i had a few people that kept using me and i was doing what was called movies of the week sure i think they were called movies movie specials or something like that but anyway i started to make money and and we loved the weather i know how how (laughs) (laughs) yes you know it just we just after growing up in new york Mm -hmm. and having the the ocean and just this wonderful sun most of the year we just fell in love with the place and we ended up staying here um but the courage yeah the courage thing i think when you know i was trained in shakespeare and and uh i had a lot of leading roles in these very big major you know shakespearean wonderful wonderful plays so memorizing you know hours of monologues and you know iambic pentameter and all of that was a huge huge task so i was trained and so this other seemed so easy Mm. (laughs) i was trained on the hard stuff Mm. like i I was in a five-hour production of cymbeline that's always i think back to that when i was just 18 Mm. and i mean five hours and i was on (laughs) stage a lot (laughs) Yeah, doing anything for five hours would be challenging, but yeah, uh, yeah right. <laughs> in front of a crowd, and exactly, exactly. So to come know. here and you know you have these few lines, even if you have a lead in something, it's never more than a two or three minute at best, right. you know, on camera. Right. It's two seconds, ten seconds, you know, fifteen, and they cut and they go to the other actor, and so you know, it's a uh, yeah. That's where I got my courage, I think. And when you you say that uh, you know you imagine moving back to New York uh, at some point, or or that was one of the choices, and or how you imagined yes. your your life might be would be working in theater. There was your proximity to New York City and theater there a benefit to you? Did you were you seeing shows as a young person? Oh yeah, oh yeah, I did. I got involved in the theater in New York too, and off off Broadway. The okay. little uh, I had an aunt who lived in the Bronx, and I had other family in Yonkers closer than where I came from. So I would stay there in a couple of summers and I, I would audition. Uh, even in high school, uh, I did uh, some shows. And during my college years, I would go back to New York. And in the summer, 
Mm-hmm. I did uh, theater in New York, uh, but I wasn't um, SAG. Uh, I mean, excuse me, equity. Right. I didn't have my equity card, so it was awful. And I was so young. But yeah, so I did a lot of theater in New York and of course always went to the theater as much as I could as a kid and in high school. So that all enriched my awareness and my love of, of theater and which I've never lost. But as I said, part of doing the groundlings and, and doing all of that was it's stage, you know, mm. it's you're on stage and there's that magic with the audience. Right. But I have to say the one time I did stand up, I did it three times actually, but I did it at the comedy store five minutes once. Mm. I was the most terrified I've ever been in my entire mm. life. <laughs> terrified. I remember, and I'm not a druggie, rummaging through my medicine cabinet that <laughs> afternoon looking for a dental drug, anything <laughs> to calm me down because I didn't have, you know, I didn't have anything, Valium, nothing. And I was trying to find, there was one that made me relaxed or something. And I, was, I didn't find anything, but I remember rummaging and getting there and it was terrifying, but I did it. Well, <laughs> I can say I was on the comedy store stage yeah. to stand up for five minutes. I was like, and it's not like you picked a smaller club to start at. I mean, we're talking about where, you know, Sam Kinison, Robin Williams, these right. folks cut no, their teeth. I did- yeah. No, I was in this little um, improv group and we would go around to different clubs. And of course, our, our, in our group, we had this thing where each, there were five of us and we would each take turns introing the group with five minutes of stand up. We'd get mm. 15 minute slots, right? And we'd do these skits, these comedy skits. But right. each of us did this stand up, our own routine right. to intro the act kind of to warm the audience up for yeah. f- literally five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, that was my turn, the comedy store. And I remember yeah. Mitzi Shore, who ran the comedy store, came sure. up to me after and said, you should do this. She said, you should do this. And I said, I've never been more terrified. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever get up there again. And it was the reason, though, truly that world, there's a lot, there was a lot of drugs and smoking mm. and just mm. people smoked like packs and packs of Right. sets you know backstage and in the alley behind the comedy store and it just was not my my thing you know um to be up late around people smoking and doing drugs and i just it didn't feel right to me you know it's the environment wasn't good right. for me uh you know <laughs> well we are we are fortunate that uh you went the path you did because you've left well, us with you. so many you know a part of so many shows that uh, still Stay with, have stayed with us this 35 years uh, later. So, and we are so very grateful for your time today. So, thank you so much, Diane. Oh, you're so welcome. It was a pleasure talking to you. Hey, that was pretty cool. Uh, speaking to Ms. Nance herself, you know what? I didn't ask her, and I still I keep go, going back and replaying this. Now, I know we haven't gone through the whole show yet. You know, we're only on episode four, but, but, <laughs> as you kept saying before, <laughs> but. At the end of the first episode, they zoom in on her, I told you, her calves, and you see, you know, she's got, looks like stitching down the back of her, her, her tie, you know, her stockings, which would be normal, but it's very dark. And they show that, and she says, you know, good night, bunnies, or whatever the line she says is. I don't know why they do that. Is it going to turn out she's an android or something? Nobody knows till we ah, get to the end. And I didn't ask her, although maybe she wouldn't tell us, because it'd be a spoiler. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what spoilers. Right. I mean, we're only on episode four, so we don't need spoilers. Mm. So, hey, maybe in episode four, we'll find out. So next week, we'll we'll uh, get back to recapping, unless we have another special guest, because we're working on some other surprises for, for our Misfits recap. But um, in the very least, we'll chat again about the episode, right? I think so. Okay. Yeah, sure. We got nothing else to do. <laughs> nope. All right. So we'll talk to you next time on The Idiots. See ya. See ya.